You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. You know, the Gospel of Mark is about Jesus, of course, but it tells us the story of his disciples and their journey along with Jesus. And as we read that story, we discover that these disciples many times made mistakes. They didn't realize fully who Jesus was, but Jesus didn't give up on them. He kept working with them. In fact, our passage of scripture today, he pulls three aside and he takes them up on a mountain and he shows them who he is in all of his glory, the fullness of his glory. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. That's our text for today. But I want you to think about this. It wasn't right away that they they were able to see Jesus for who he was. It took time for them to get the full revelation. And even after they saw the glory of Jesus, they still made mistakes. They still let Jesus down from time to time. You know, this past week, my guess is this. I'm just guessing. But here in your mind and in your heart, if you forgot to read your Bible one day, the enemy said, see, You're not really following Jesus. I would imagine that if you had an opportunity to share the gospel with someone this week and and you didn't have the courage to do it, the enemy probably whispered into your ear and said, see, you really don't love Jesus. I would imagine that there were many times in the past week or in the past month where you have sensed that you have fallen short of the glory of God and the voice we hear is one of condemnation and darkness. Would you believe that this week I heard voices in in my ear? Now, some of you think I probably need therapy after I tell you this, but voices in my ear saying, you can't preach. You can't lead. You're out of your depth. And I had to say, you know, that may be true. But then I tell you what the Lord began to show me and remind me. He reminded me that a long time ago, a bunch of godly men laid their hands on me and anointed me to preach the gospel. And he anointed me to preach the gospel in his name and to tell you the story of Jesus. And ultimately, all of us, it doesn't matter if we're the preacher in the pulpit or the person in the pew, all of us, the only hope we have to be the people that God wants us to be is if we will listen to Jesus. There are many voices in the world today. There are voices outside Voices in the media, voices in the culture, and they're all saying things and they're all trying to win our attention and to win our hearts. And we're going to have to decide who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to follow? I believe that the Mount of Transfiguration was a pivotal moment for the disciples, but I think it is a pivotal moment for all of us. And the challenge that's being laid down, the gauntlet that's being laid down today is, will we listen to Jesus? Because if we don't, we'll give up. It is so easy to give up. It is so easy to think that there's there's just something else we can do with our lives. But I want to argue this morning with you that there is nothing better than to listen to Jesus and to let him lead you in your life. So Mark chapter 9 is our passage. Let me read it to you, beginning in verse 2. Mark 9, beginning in verse 2, will you stand with me? Stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word. Let's hear these words. I'm going to invite you, please, may this not be the only time this week that you're reading God's word. Fill your heart with his word every day. Hear this. 
And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, for he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Amen. I mean, come on. If you really experience Jesus, you ain't going to know what to say either. And a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how it is written that the Son of Man, that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased as... It is written of him. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, in this moment, who in this room is worthy to sing these beautiful praise songs? Who in this room is worthy to teach a lesson today in the Sunday school hour? Who is worthy to preach this gospel? Lord, none of us are worthy except in the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, we are claiming today not strength and power and wisdom that comes from man, but we are asking to hear a word from the Lord. And I'm going to ask, Lord, right now that everyone who came in here today with minds clouded with worldly concerns will not be able to hear anything but your voice speaking to us through the scriptures today. God, help us to listen to Jesus today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are outside voices that are speaking to us and to our children, trying to tell us what we need to think and how we need to live. A few weeks ago, in a magazine called The Nation, Moria Donegan, a writer, wrote an article with this title, The Pro-Choice Movement Has Won the Culture War. This is what she claimed, that the pro-choice movement has won, and won in this culture war. She talks about how abortion has never been less taboo than it is today. She goes on to describe how one can purchase all these different things, tote bags, t-shirts, gold necklaces, all that say, I had an abortion She makes some outlandish claims in this article. By the way, she doesn't quote one source. But it's clear in this article that this poor lady, this poor misled lady, she sees abortion as something to celebrate. And she tells stories of how abortion empowers women for what it's worth. I don't believe that she's right in any way. I think our culture and our country is beginning to realize that murder by any other name is still murder. 
And I think that people are beginning to realize that they've been told a lie. Now listen to me, we're going to talk about this today and we're going to be gracious. If you are here today and you've been impacted by abortion, know this, we understand that your heart is broken. We are not here to to, to beat you up. We are here to tell you in the name of Jesus that there is love and forgiveness in his name. We are here to tell you that there is hope for all of you. And right now, the enemy begins to talk. And the enemy begins to tell you that, that what the pre- preacher is going to be talking about is for somebody else. But it's not. It's for you. The love and hope of Jesus is here for everybody. I think this, this lady, Moria, I believe that she is in an echo chamber. She only hears what she wants to hear. In her mind, that's what's true. And so she just assumes that everybody else thinks just like her. And sometimes we run into people like that, that they just assume that their opinion is what everybody else believes. But we need to ask the question, when we hear voices like this, when we hear voices from the culture, when our hearts begin to utter things that are not in line with scripture, what must we do? We must listen to Jesus We must make sure that we are not listening to any other voice. I believe this passage suggests not only a better way, but the only way for us to live. To fight back against the darkness, we must embrace the light. And we must believe that what Jesus tells us is good enough in every category of life. For everything that we need. The scriptures demand. They don't suggest They demand that we listen to Jesus and that we accept no truth other than the truth he has revealed to us in his word. And so church, what I want to tell you today is this. There will be many times when you feel like I feel from time to time where where you say, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I've got a word for this. I don't know that I can speak to this issue. And many times you don't have the strength, but I promise you, God will speak through you. If you allow the word of God to saturate you, then you will be able to speak truth And you will have power from on high. Mark's gospel tells us this story so that we understand that Jesus is the only son of God. He is worth listening to. We must must trust him. We must listen. We cannot allow our hearts to be led astray by another. So what I want to do for a few moments is I want to answer the question, why listen to Jesus? Why? Because clearly there are these other voices. There are these, uh, there's these other truths that are competing for our ears and our hearts. How can we know that Jesus is unique? Well, I believe, again, if we go back and look at the Gospels, we see that Jesus unveiled who he was in such a way so that when we come upon questions like this in culture, when our hearts are struggling and we're trying to find the way for our lives, we can listen to Jesus and know that his way is the way to follow. Now, the first reason we need to listen to Jesus is because of his perfect holiness. If you look in this passage, we see that that James and John and Peter are taken up on a mountain. And, And just six days before, Jesus had been talking about his resurrection, his death and resurrection. There had been confusion in their hearts. It was very clear that these men, though they were following Jesus, they didn't fully understand Jesus. And let me say that again. Listen, if you're here today and you are a a follower of Christ and you've been following Christ for a long time, but you're still struggling and you're still failing, why does this gospel and the other gospels tell us so many times about the failures of Jesus' disciples? Because he knew that we would be in the same boat. 
He knew that we would be tempted to listen to the enemy and just give up. But every once in a while, God does something really special. He does something that opens eyes and hearts in in fresh ways. And that's what we see in this passage. We see this beautiful revelation that Jesus is, is more than just a regular guy. He is perfect holiness. Now, when it comes to questions of truth, we need to realize that we all have things guiding us. One of the things that drives me crazy today is that if you are a person of faith and you, you begin to have a conversation with someone who is very much not a person of faith, very secular in their worldview, what they will begin to do is they will begin to tell you that, that, that their way is better because they're believing on objective, you know, empirical, scientific kinds of truths. But here's the reality. No one person can know everything, and every single one of us, we, we absorb data, and at some point, we have to take a leap and say, this is the direction I'm going to go in my life. So even those who choose not to follow Jesus are taking a leap of faith that, that Jesus isn't real, but it is a leap of faith. It is. We all are going to believe in something. It's interesting to me that today the the battle lines have been drawn and it's kind of like a battle between either you believe in science or you believe in faith. And I'm here to tell you that that is a false dichotomy. Let me give you one illustration of why that's a false dichotomy. Those who say they follow science many times will say something like this. You'll be having a discussion on Pro-Life Sunday, on Sanctity of, of Life Sunday. You'll be having a discussion and you'll talk about the value of unborn life. And you can make the case scientifically that that tiny child in the womb is a viable human being by every scientific standard. And the people who claim to be a people of science will begin to tell emotional stories. They'll begin to talk about feelings. They'll begin to talk about opinions and they will not have any objective truth to back up their claims. You see the inconsistency? You see, in the end, they've, they, they've made a choice. They've decided to believe in this one way or the other, and they've jumped in that direction. Friends, we need to realize that we're all listening to something. And today, let me make it clear. It is so important for us to have deep compassion for those who have been impacted by this subject of abortion, this this terrible plight upon our land. We, We have no desire to hurt hurting women here today. But let me say this. If you ask the question, why would we talk about this issue? I mean, honestly, we could talk about this text about listening to Jesus and not use this as an illustration. But today, it seems like we must, must bring this up and talk about it. As I thought about that, I thought of this. If abortion is hurting women and terminating babies, how can we be silent? We need to speak up for women. We need to speak up for the innocent unborn. We need to stand up firm for truth and life. And we want to do that. We need a perfect light to guide us out of this darkness. We need true truth to keep us from human error. I'm convinced more and more that our minds are a battleground. That these ideas that we hear in culture, whether we're we're hearing the culture and the culture of death that we're referring to this morning or many other issues that deal with sexuality or or even uh, addiction and things of that nature, all the voices that are out there, we we can really be led astray. I believe that Satan and his demons and the power of darkness is always whispering in our ear those falsehoods that will lead us to destruction. 
I think that we need to realize, hear me, and, and I mean this, when we hear someone arguing, like Moria was arguing in the Nation article I told you about, when we hear someone arguing like that for the death of little ones, we need to hear that as satanic language, no less. That is the only way a human being can get to a place where they say something that dark, I believe, is because they're being influenced by darkness. We need to get that into our hearts. But here's the thing, and this is what the Lord has been really driving home in my heart. That's an extreme example of demonic oppression. But I believe that every time that your mind is filled with a thought that is impure and not, and you know what I'm talking about, not of God, not something that is edifying to you, to your family, to the church, I want you to realize it's very possible that that's darkness creeping in too. Demonic forces do not leave us alone. They attack us. And we need to have a point of reference. We need something that keeps us from drifting into that darkness. And the only thing that can keep us from drifting into that darkness is the holiness of God. When we begin to feel that disparity, that that despondency, when we begin to feel that darkness, we have to lean into Jesus here in this passage, we, we note that Jesus shows out his glory. Jesus had already showed up. We know that from John 1, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that from the Christmas text that we preached a month ago about the incarnation. We know that that's all a part of the story. But in this moment, Jesus decides to show out. He was already there to show up. And now he shows out his glory And the language here that we read about in verse 3 is of glory that, that no human eye can fathom. Notice the language. It's describing a white that's whiter than any white a human could describe. Whiter than can be washed. Now I want you to realize that up until this point, these disciples had seen Jesus, the man, covered in the dusty robes of Palestine. They had seen him and they had heard him and they could tell that there was something unique about him. They could tell that this man was anointed from on high, but in this moment, that veil was dropped and they were able to see the holiness of Jesus. Now I'm gonna tell you this right now, what I'm praying for for Ridgecrest Because many of us have been following Jesus a long time. Many of us know the stories of the Gospels. Many of us know the one who walked the roads, the dusty roads of of Palestine 2,000 years ago. We know those stories. But I'm asking you, church, how many of us know him in all of his glory? It is time for us as the people of God, if we are serious about a revival, we need to believe that the holiness of God is still very real and that Jesus is going to show up and begin to show out in this culture. We need the holiness of God. We need a vision, God's people. We need a vision of this glorified Jesus. I'm telling you, the church today has lost its vision of the Jesus we see in Mark chapter nine. We're trying to win people with fog machines and indoor playgrounds instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. Ridgecrest, listen to me. God is getting all over me. I want us to be a church that believes in the holiness of Jesus, that preaches it and teaches it and lives it as though it were true. 
The world doesn't need us to just philosophize and to tell people good stories, moral stories about how they can feel better about themselves. No, what we need to do is believe that there is darkness in the world that can only be pushed back by the power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus fills us with his love. And not with anger, not with, not with malice, but with smiles on our face and love in our heart. We are just letting the radiant glory of Jesus flow through us. He is holy. And he wants you and me to be holy too. He wants us to get this kind of vision. Why would we listen to him? Because he is glorious. He is the cosmic Christ. He is the beautiful Savior. Moses had seen God's glory. We know that in Exodus 34. Uh, we know that uh, in other places, Elijah obviously experienced God's glory. But here there's something different about Jesus. He has something that sets him apart from all others. As no one on earth could bleach these garments. That's how white they were. There's no one on earth like our holy Savior, Jesus We all know that something's wrong in the world, don't we? Wake up. This place is sideways. And I've made it sideways because of my sin, and you have too. But there's something that God has given us here in his gospel that can help make those wrongs right. What sideways can be straightened up if we will believe in the holiness of God and we will live out the holiness of God. When we receive Jesus' word, it's not about just receiving something that feels right. It is objectively right. And it is the kind of truth that fills us with hope that can motivate us to do things for the kingdom. I think about ministry and I think about the call that I have on my life and and the process one goes through to, to be able to stand in front of you and to preach to you. And we jump through all the hoops and we have all the degrees and, and we have the, you know, the ministry experience and all those things. Let me tell you, the thing that matters most is that God's spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit fills my heart and leads us because we need something more than just motivational speaking. We need something more than clever ministry paradigms. We need the power of a holy God working through us. We need the holiness of God, and it needs to grab hold of us like never before. This past week, I was was reading some really old literature. You know, if you you ask Jeremy who he's reading, you can pretty well bet that they're dead. But anyway, it's typically (laughs) the way it works. People are always saying, you know, I read this author, this new author, he's really good. And I'm like, well, he's not dead. Yeah, not really. So anyway, this the guy I read was safely dead by 1,700 years, so we're good. And, and, and he said something that grabbed my heart, and it was so true. You know, I've thought about the incarnation a lot since Christmas and Jesus becoming flesh to save me from my sins. But I hadn't thought of this. Athanasius, an early, early, early church father, said this. He said, Christ became human. He, the incarnation happened. He took on a natural form. And the reason why is because sin had had dehumanized us. Every time you give into sin, it makes you less of what God intended you to be. And so Jesus became human so that the dehumanization of sin in your life could be done away with. That's powerful. And here's the thing. 
There is nothing more dehumanizing than the murder of innocent children. And that to me is a high water mark of evil or a low ebb, if you will. It's probably a better way to, uh, to illustrate that. It's the lowest of the low. But I'll tell you that every time you give into sin, you're allowing the devil to dehumanize you. But when we give in to God in his holiness, he restores the imago Dei, the image of God in us, and we can be something more. And that's what our community needs. They don't need something less. They need something more. Well, why listen to Jesus? Well, he is like no other. And this follows close on the heels of holiness. If we say that Jesus is holy, holy means like no other. But I want you to see in the text, there's something else going on here in verses four through eight. You remember this little bit of the story where Elijah and Moses show up. Now, if we were to say and advertise here in Springfield that Moses and Elijah were going to come be guest preachers, we could probably fill this place up. That would be, that would be worth your while, I would think. Moses and Elijah, pretty big deals, okay? Um, I can't think of anybody today preaching wise that's that big a deal, but nonetheless, those are big deals. So Peter and James and John are sitting there and they, they, they walk up this mountain. And if they're like the rest of us, they're probably panting a little bit because when you walk up a mountain, it's a little hard. And, and they're like, whew, yeah, that's Moses. Okay. Oh, that's Elijah. And there's Jesus talking to him. And, and they're like, wow, this is, this is such a big deal. Why don't we make three tents? Let's build three little, little uh, monuments to just celebrate this sacred moment. Now, here's what's interesting. They completely were missing it. They totally had missed the point. Now, some people say that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. And then Jesus represents the gospels in the New Testament. And that's what all this is about. But here's the main message that I think God was trying to get across. Even these great examples from the Old Testament of Moses and Elijah pale in significance to this beautiful savior that stands before them. We need to realize that Jesus is like no other. And no matter how unique any person is, their uniqueness fades in the light of Jesus's glory. Friends, that's why the voice came from heaven and said, listen, this is my beloved son pointing to Jesus. Not my beloved sons in the plural, my beloved son in the singular. Listen to him. Now listen, we can listen to him and we can still be obedient to the Mosaic law. We can listen to him and still hear the words of the prophet and the prophets in the Old Testament and be guided. And the reason why is because Jesus never did contradict Moses or the prophets. He was not changing anything. He was the capstone. He was the completion. He was the period at the end of the sentence, friends. We can listen to him because he gives us all of God's revelation and it's all there in him. He is like no other, but make no mistake. Do not build any tents or tabernacles for anything in this world other than Jesus. Don't let yourself be led astray. There is not an idol in the world worthy of being in the same room as Jesus. I think this is an important lesson for us to learn today because I do think that many times what we do is we try to, we try to put other things with Jesus. We assume that, that what we're doing and the things we're passionate about are there. Listen, before you can get passionate about ministry, you're going to have to get filled with Jesus. You need to have that understanding. 
Sometimes I think that we, we, we make an idol of our ministry and what we are doing instead of worshiping Jesus as if he were like no other. We need to get that first. And then what we do for him will be filled with power. You see, Jesus doesn't share his glory. And today it seems like many people are trying to get Jesus to share his glory. We need to realize that Jesus will give us his glory, but it's not, it can never be on the level with anything else or anybody else. Well, I don't know if you know this, but there's a football game today. Anybody know that? There's a football game today. Two, two of them actually. I think only one of them really mattered to most people in this room. I didn't have a red tie. This is as good as I could get. So, you know, go Chiefs or whatever. But <laughs> seriously, I, I, like, I like the Chiefs, but I like Jesus a whole lot more. So that's why I'm not that. I'm not as excited about the Chiefs as I am about Jesus. So just that seems to fit well. Anyway. So I find this, this, this uh, article, it's in the New York Times, actually. It was, a, it was from 2015. Tom Brady, some people think, is a decent football player. But he is a terrible philosopher. Let me explain what I mean. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because the, mis- the mistake that Peter made was he wanted to, to celebrate like several different things there, okay? Kind of this idea of relativity. Well, well, we can, you know, be, we can sort of worship all over the place here. Well, listen to Tom Brady. He is quoted as saying that he believes in witchcraft, healing stones, and Hinduism. He claimed that his family leaves room for multiple faiths. He says, I think we are into everything. I don't know what we believe. <laughs> yep, that's true. I think there's a belief system. I'm just not sure what it is. Now, like I said, good football player, terrible philosopher. But do you see what Brady's trying to do? He's trying to build a tent for all these different worldviews. And he's been taught that the more tents you build, the more open you are and the more uh, you're, you're, you're with it and, and you're, you're going to be much more relative to the culture because you're, you're, not, you're not going to judge anybody. But here's the problem. If you don't put your faith in the one who is like no other, your heart will be led astray by all others. The reason why today I'm telling you that Jesus is the only way, because if you don't follow his way, the enemy will lead you down some paths that are just stupid. And beyond stupid, they are destructive to your soul. Jesus is like no other. But ultimately, why should we listen to Jesus? Verses 9 through 13 tell us because he suffered to save us. The language goes back here to um, the resurrection. It goes back to Jesus telling his disciples that they can't go out and share all of this information just yet because the world isn't quite ready to hear about a suffering Savior. Now, now the Bible had already talked about that in Isaiah 53. And Jesus has already been talking about his death in chapters 8 and 9. But, but the people were not ready for that yet. But you'll notice that Jesus, in this moment, when his disciples have seen his glory, he comes right back. All of a sudden, they're seeing Jesus again, and no longer is he wearing white without any dust on it, but now he has the the dirt of Palestine on his robes again. And right after he's shown him his amazing glory, he reminds them of the terrible cross that he's about to bear. 
right in this moment when they're thinking of Jesus on the highest level for the first time in their lives, Jesus says, yeah, me, the guy you just saw who the the, the voice from heaven said, listen to him, I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. I have that power and I'm laying it down because I love you. And the only way you're going to be saved from your sins is if I die for your sins. Do you see that? Jesus is holy. There's no one else like him. And he is the one who died for your sins. That's why we have to listen to Jesus. There's no other choice here. No one else. We have to follow Jesus. And those who follow God with all their hearts, will they be treated with contempt by the world? Verse 12 says, yes. Yes. Elijah he speaks of, the son of man he speaks of, and he speaks of suffering. He speaks of being treated with contempt. If we are going to get serious about following Jesus, the world is going to agree more with what Tom Brady said than what Pastor Jeremy is saying. Okay? Um, Tom Brady will probably call me this afternoon and say, Jeremy, I just don't think you're a very good philosopher. Yeah, Tom and I talk all the time, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Tom can come and criticize me all he wants. But ultimately, what we have to decide is, what voice are we going to listen to? People are listening to to voices, even in the church, that are not from the word. They're listening to voices that make them feel good instead of those voices that cause us to follow Christ. He died and rose again, and we must die to sin and live for Jesus. You see, the voices of this world cannot carry you one inch beyond this world. All the voices that, all the opinions that you have about life and death and and aliens and dinosaurs, all those fun things, you can't take them one step out of this world. But if you have Jesus, he will carry you into heaven. That's why we have to listen to him. And I don't know what you're listening to, And I don't know who you're listening to, but I do know this. Jesus is the only one worth listening to. And I'm going to ask you right now, if if you have had Jesus still kind of in the dusty robes of his humanness, which he was human, there's no doubt about that. But if you do not believe in him as the son of God and savior of the world, then you need to listen to what Jesus is saying here. He died for you. There's no one like him. He is holy and he's calling you to salvation. We come to the end of a service like this and many times I feel like we need to, we need to like say, okay, pastor, I've heard you talk about Jesus and, and, and you've invited people to Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, obviously one, one thing you need to do if you don't know Jesus, you need to come up here and talk with one of us. We want to lead you to Jesus. But many of you are followers of Jesus. And you're asking the question, okay, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. What's next? What should I do? Let me just give you a couple things to consider. If we are serious about listening to the voice of Jesus, and and today I didn't go to the passages that deal with the sanctity of life, because I'm going to tell you, until you listen to Jesus, I can give you all those passages about the sacredness of life, and you're not going to listen to them. But if you listen to Jesus, then God's word is going to tell you that life matters. One thing you can do is support the Pregnancy Care Center. We have uh, somebody here today, a church member of ours, Camille Brown is here. She's going to be at the table out there and she would love to share with you some of the ways that you can help those women and those unborn children in our community that are at risk. 
So go out there and talk with them. One of the things you could do, the the pregnancy care center needs women counselors and male mentors for dads-to-be. These are just ways that you can go and, and pour into people who are either hurt by or hurting because of abortion. The Pregnancy Care Center has an annual Walk for Life to raise funds and awareness. That's on September 26, 2020. If you're one of those people that likes to go out and run all the time, run for a purpose. Walk for a purpose for the Pregnancy Care Center. How about this? Consider adoption or foster parenting. Right now here in the state, there are are many kids that need to be adopted or need to be fostered. And our Missouri Baptist Children's Home can help you with that and give you information there. And I want to ask you, if you are serious about life, then, then, then this is a great way to help. Another thing to consider is that we have great opportunities for international adoptions in Ukraine through our One U. And the Farrells are down here on the second row. They can tell you about that. And, and we've had several families there and in other places around the world adopt children. And, and let me just say this. I believe God has put on my heart that our Defenders Care Ministry, which is, is another option if you would like to, to help push back against the darkness, we have our Defenders Care Ministry. I'm gonna ask you to give generously to that because that helps us uh, give money to families who are wanting to adopt and wanting to foster. That is a direct connection with this issue. And I'm, I, the Lord has laid it on my heart to make this one of the, one of the driving forces in days to come. Now, listen, I, I know that we're, we're in a, a campaign now to raise some money to, to renovate this. And I cannot wait till that's in our rearview mirror. And the reason why is because I want to I begin to lead this church. Now, first, let me say this. Let's pay that sucker off. Okay, let's pay it off. And then let's throw everything that we've got at ministries that help the most hurting people in our community and in our world. You hear me? I'm serious. I want Ridgecrest to not be about the bells and the whistles. I want us to be about a church that's filled with the spirit and reaching out to the least of those that are in our community that need the gospel and need the love of Christ. I believe that's what God is calling us to do. I'm going to tell you, I I think I've, uh, you know, turned into a radical in the last couple of days. I don't know what's up, but I do know this. I want to listen to Jesus. Because many times I've been led astray by just listening to other voices. Well, this is the way you ought to preach and this is the way you ought to lead. I think Jesus has a better way. Let's follow him together. Amen. And we have many other ways that we can connect you here with ministries in our church and in our community to make a difference for life. None of us have any excuse. When you walk from this place today, if God is convicting you to make a difference, we've given you those opportunities. But right now, if you don't know Jesus, will you come? Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.